So Money Episode 555, Scott McGilvery, real estate expert and host of Income Property. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Spring is in the air, and you know I love real estate. And I encourage you to share your questions for Ask Farnish on the Friday episodes. If you have a question about real estate, renting, owning, buying, selling, give it to me. I love it. It's a topic I just can't get enough of. And that's why I'm really excited to bring back today's guest, Scott McGilvery. You probably know him from HGTV's Income Property or Moving the McGilvery's. He's a real estate pro having invested in over 100 homes. And Scott is now teaming up with Owners.com. It's an online brokerage that provides tools and services to help buyers and sellers save money and save time. If you want to know more about Scott's money past and the best day of the week to buy a home, go back and check out his initial So Money interview, episode 398, where he also talks about how rejection can be a really good sign for home buyers. In our conversation today, we talk about where the market's headed in 2017. Is this going to be a more expensive market for buyers, a cheaper market for buyers? How are interest rates going to drive the market? The financial sacrifices prospective home buyers are willing to make to buy that home because so many of us just want to become homeowners. But at the same time, some people are just better off renting. And Scott has his take on who should buy and who should just rent. Here's Scott McGilvery. Scott McGilvery, welcome back to So Money. This is a really good time to have you on the show. It's spring and everyone wants to upgrade, upgrade their house. Everybody wants to buy real estate in the spring. It's true. Is this really, should we just skip spring though? Because if everyone's trying to buy real estate right now, it's got to be a, a heated market. Well, the spring is the most active market. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best time to buy or sell because there's usually the most listings and the most transactions all happening at the same time. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're, if you want to get in before the rush, you got to, you got to list, you know, February. Um, if you want to wait until it settles down, you can list, you know, in June. But we find that in July and August, there's a real lull in uh, transactions happening. So it, it's definitely a time of the year you cannot ignore if you're planning on doing anything in real estate. Last time we had you on the show was 2016, which was a very, I guess, in some cities, a record-breaking real estate year. In New York, for example, prices... I live in Brooklyn, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with mm-hmm. this market, but it was so tight. <clears throat> Houses were not on the market for very long. And so now we're in a new... We, it's a new era in 2017 for a lot of reasons. But I think mostly because interest rates are inching higher. That's the prediction. So how do you think that's going to... How, mm-hmm. how will that impact the market as far as prices, as far as inventory? What do you think? Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this survey here through owners.com and the top fear among home buyers is the increase in interest rates. Uh, 73% of home buyers are fearful of increased interest rates. And that, 
I mean, it's scary, but it's also good that people are prepared and they're thinking about this because it probably is going to be the greatest impact on their finances moving forward is what happens when interest rates go up and all of a sudden your mortgage payments are more. So it's something you have to consider um, if you want to kind of take the fear out and uh, prepare yourself for these things. It's not hard to use an online tool like a mortgage calculator to sort of project where your thresholds are going to be based on where interest price uh, interest rates may go. Right. And while we don't have a lot of control over interest rates, you're right. We have control over our own financial budgeting and credit scores go a long way in determining your interest rate. So if you don't have a great credit score, work on that to help at least get you the best possible interest rate. People are also, I, I was uh, looking at this owners.com study, which by the way, you've partnered with owners.com and they looked at the different ways that people are willing to adjust their financial lives to afford a home. It's still an American dream. And most people say they mm-hmm. would stop investing and more than half said they would stop putting money aside for a rainy day, which seems counterproductive. If you want to be a homeowner, you need savings. So what's the advice? It is a tough call, but you're right. The, the data is interesting. Um, the sac- saving sacrifices is is interesting to see how many people, you know, almost three quarters of people are basically willing to pull out their investments, their stocks, or contribute to other investments in order to buy a house because a house can be an investment. So that's that's not too bad. Where um, where really people need to focus though, um, instead of you know pulling from an emergency fund because everyone should have some savings for, like you said, like a rainy day or for an opportunity in the future. Um, but where people need to, to pull back is on the luxuries, right? Going out for dinner all the time, even buying coffee every morning, buying new clothes, memberships, and all of these. One of the biggest, um, uh, you know, sort of culprits in terms of eating up of people's finances are all these subscriptions now, right? You can have these subscription music apps and you're buying things and it's just like Uber, Lyft, Seamless, especially all these, like these products, these apps where you're, you're just connected, your card's connected and you just have to click, tap, boom. And it's very convenient. But then at the end of the month, you want to cry. When you look at that credit card bill, these things mm-hmm. add up. These things add up, right? The, the data usage, the um, overages. When you don't actually have to get a bill in your hand and hand over money, it's a lot easier to spend. So these apps are all dialed in. It's just you're automatically paying and you don't even see it. So you don't even feel like it's being spent, but you've got to be diligent. You've got to look at it and say, how much am I really? spending on some of these things because when the day comes when you want to buy a home and you're looking for a down payment, chances are you've already spent it unless you were planning ahead. So it is scary. I mean, people are mentioning that they, they're willing to make these sacrifices, but whether or not they're actually doing it is right. a whole other thing. Scott, have you ever told someone, you know what, maybe buying a house isn't for you? Yes. Even if you have all the financial ducks in a row, at the end of the day, you have to be the right kind of person to undertake home ownership, especially if we're talking about a house that you might have to fix up. 
But even a house that's perfect, there's going to be problems down the road. And if you have the kind of lifestyle where you're moving around, who is the person that you've told, yeah, maybe you should rent? (laughs) Um, Anyone who is in a short-term or temporary scenario should should consider renting before purchasing. So, for instance, looking at students going away to college or university, somebody on um, an employment relocation of some sort. In those scenarios where a real estate purchase is going to be a temporary and time-sensitive issue, meaning you're going to have to sell it you know, uh, four years from now definitively or whatever it might be, those are situations in which you want to probably consider renting. Um, and then you know, in terms of overall types of individuals, if you really have troubles with your savings, like if you don't have a good credit score and you've got zero dollars to your name, you probably don't have the discipline or you are not prepared to take on a mortgage payment um, because, you know, you really have to practice. I often tell people if you're starting from scratch, you know, if you really want to know if you can buy a home, here's what you do. You determine the type of home you want and what the mortgage payment would be because anyone can come up with a mortgage payment uh, calculation. So let's say $1,500 a month would get you the mortgage you want, you need on the house that you want. Let's see if you can put $1,500 a month away for a year. If you can do it for a year, you're probably in good shape to actually go out and purchase a home. But if you've never saved a dollar in your life and you think that purchasing a home is the next best idea, you're you're going to get yourself in trouble. So by practicing for a year, putting $1,500 a month away, look, you're going to have $17,000 in savings, first of all, after a year, which is great. And you're going to have proven to yourself that you're disciplined enough to be able to consistently make a mortgage payment. And that's, you know, home ownership should not be taken lightly. You got to you got to take it seriously. It's a huge investment. It can be a monstrous opportunity, but you have to follow the rules. And you've got a year's worth of your mortgage payments ready to go after that practice. Yeah, well, it's like nothing wrong with having that type of money. So exactly. I usually tell people that's that's your down payment mm-hmm. sometimes, right? It is. Um well, as far as prices this year, where do you think we're going? Where are we headed? I mean, it's been such a hot market in terms if you're if you're selling. Um, but do you think that there's going to be pressure, downward pressure on pricing this year? And if so, why? Well, it's a real. This is you know, especially right now, there's a lot of things going on, um, and there's so many factors that affect real estate prices. Number one is affordability, though. And right now, where interest rates are today and where home prices are on average in most markets, there's still room for prices to go up. There is. Um, If interest rates get much higher in a short period of time, we'll definitely see some leveling off of the market. Um, Another factor that does affect home prices is foreign investment and immigration, which it's hard to say what's going to happen in that space this year um, with you know new government and new rules and regulations without more people um, coming into certain areas it's the demand you know the supply and demand gap grows and prices go down so there are external factors that are very hard to predict at the moment 
overall, um, you know, if, if I had to say based on the metrics I have, what's going to happen, I think we would see a slight increase in housing prices in most markets across the country this year, uh, especially urban areas. And, um, and as long as interest rates don't uh, move too high too fast, I think things will be fairly stable in the right direction uh, for years to come. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. And many of us, going back to the owners.com survey, are willing to buy a fixer-upper in order to save money on that home. But that, again, is not for everybody. You've done this you know, so many times. You've invested in over 100 properties. And of course, you're the renovation expert. What are some easy ways to spruce up a home? Well, the good news is with with what's been going on in the housing market for the last 10 years, there has been there was a there was a large pullback in reinvestment in real estate for a good eight year period. Really, um, the last two or three years, you know, I've been to I've been going to the builders shows and the design shows and the home shows for for 15, 20 years. I've been frequenting all the major shows around North America. And it's only in the last three years that we've seen a massive surge in demand again, like things have really ramped up um, because people weren't investing, which means there are properties that are fairly distressed or have been neglected um, where there are opportunities to come in at a reasonable purchase price and do some work to add value back to them. Um, they are getting eaten up quickly. You know what? Often say you got to buy the rumor, not the news. And, uh, now it's the news, right? People know it's the, you know, the demand for housing is up and, uh, and everybody's kind of on top of it. If you're looking for a fixer upper, there's definitely some out there. And it's still my advice to, um, to purchase something that requires at least some work in order to create value. And the smaller tasks are typically some of the ones that have the best returns, things that are simple, like a paint job. Right. People, people always underestimate. It seems like a cliche. Oh, yeah. Paint it. You got to do a good paint job, but it goes such a long way. Uh, fixtures and hardware, updating light fixtures, changing outdoor hardware. Again, it can just elevate a space so quickly. Um, simple things that don't require a contractor, like replacing appliances, for instance, is something a homeowner can do to kind of bring the caliber of their space up uh, a few notches for sure and make it more functional. Um, Countertops, faucets, 
backsplashes, those types of elements, small cosmetic, uh, reasonable DIY projects done properly can do a lot to improve the value of a home and even make it feel more like a home if you're buying something that needs Well, that's the thing. It has to be done properly. And I've gone through recently a very big renovation in my house. And in the end, I think my team was solid, but I had a few rough rough starts uh, getting my team assembled. How do you, what's your advice for someone who wants to find and hire contractors to do this work? Uh, it, it seems like sometimes it can feel like a gamble. Obviously, recommendations go a long way, but ultimately, what's your advice? Yeah, I mean, a reference is fantastic. If you know somebody in the area that's had a good experience with this individual, that's that's going to go a long way. Um, but, you know, typically you're going to have to bring in a few individuals and, uh, you know, something that's growing in popularity is not only hiring a contractor, but possibly hiring a designer. Um, I've been working with a lot of designers who have their own teams and manage their own teams. Um, there's an added cost, of course, but if it's, if it's going to guarantee somebody uh, keeping the project organized and on track, then that might be a, a good way for you to go as well. But interviewing multiple individuals, uh, getting references, doing a, um, a scope of work with the contractor so that everything is specifically outlined, including timelines and budgets, all key to having a successful relationship through a renovation. Right. And you can, you can really negotiate, right? How, how do you even, but how do you open that up that conversation, negotiating with contractors? Yeah, it's everything in contracting, everything in construction is really a, a negotiation because it's, you know, it's not like there are set standards for, uh, for every renovation because every renovation is kind of customized. Um, the, the best thing you can do even before you engage with a contractor is to have a list of all the things that you would like to have done that you believe need to be done and then to do some research on how those things need to get accomplished. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people get taken advantage of mainly because they, they're, you know, they're uneducated about the work that needs to be done. So people feel they can uh, overprice and they won't be questioned. So I'll usually advise, you know, if you want to have a bathroom renovation done and you want the toilet moved, go online and Google it or go on YouTube and start to start to see what people have done and understand some of the terminology. Because there's a difference between somebody who might say to a contractor, I want to rearrange this bathroom. I want the toilet there, the sink there and, and the mirror here versus somebody who says, I'm looking to have the toilet flange relocated to this space. And I understand that, you know, I understand the plumber's rate to have that accomplished. And I would like to have the tiles reworked around it. That even just being able to, to use the right terminology will help prevent somebody from trying to take advantage of an uneducated uh, renovator. That is great advice. It's like going to the mechanic and being like, my car is making weird noises. Fix it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Versus you go in and say, "Hey, my transmission is <laughs> right. flipping. I need this." Right, this right. That is really it good is, advice. Uh, yeah, it is. It, it, and it doesn't take long now with what's available online. You can do so much of the work yourself. You can, but should you? 
<laughs> no, I mean, sorry, so much of the homework. Yourself. Right. Oh, the homework. Like, <laughs> homework. Yourself. Like, you I did know. see recently. I saw an uh, I saw an article. A woman who built her own house by watching YouTube videos. Wow. And I was like, oh, Is it a tiny home or? Uh, oh my god! Yes. <laughs> please wear a helmet upon entering that house. Yeah, exactly. You had mentioned in a an article I was reading about you, and it was on Yahoo about there's always one thing that you do before making an offer on a home, and that is asking the neighbors about the house. Why? Why would the neighbors know anything about what goes on in the house? So brilliant talk to the neighbors. I knock on the neighbors' doors. I knock on neighbors' doors. And um, I have learned so much from talking to neighbors. Neighbors love to talk. Um, <laughs> and they know. The neighbors know. Um, I'll give you an example. A couple of years back, I was, I was about to purchase a, a property and the neighbor was just out in the yard and I walked by and, and said hello. And she said, oh, hi. Yeah, they're selling over there. She's like, they're having such a hard time. That basement keeps flooding. Uh, oh they've had like gosh. work after work done, and it's just a disaster. She's like, I don't blame them for selling. I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> that's a good piece of information right there. Did you, you tell know, her that you were looking? The neighbor. Did you tell you were a prospective yeah, buyer? I, well, I, oh. I said, she's like, oh, you're looking in that house? She's like, yeah, they finally had to move. They gave up. That basement just keeps flooding. And I was like, <laughs> Hmm, good to know. Right. Fun fact. <laughs> you know, knock 15000 off the purchase price right there. So how do you go back to the owner and be like, I was talking to your neighbor. Are you honest about it or do you? Sure. I would just say, look, I'm aware that there's some flooding issues and, you know, that's a risk I'm willing to take on myself. And as a contractor, maybe I'll be able to solution it, right? Certain things, maybe I'll do a backwater valve or a uh, backflow preventer, I'll put on the sewage line, or maybe it needs a sump pump pit. There's lots of ways of doing these things. And when you're in the business and you know how much they cost and how quickly they can get done, uh, you have a you have a pretty good competitive advantage. So Scott, let's look at your portfolio. For this year, what are you looking to add, take out as far as housing? You know, what are some of the projects that are you, that you're looking forward to this year? Are you buying in certain parts of the country that we should know about? Because you're such the expert, we want to follow in your footsteps. <laughs> I will never reveal my secrets. No, um, <laughs> I am doing a few things this year. I'm working on a new show. We're in production on a show where we do a lot of uh, buying and selling of real estate with uh, with individuals. So that's uh, that's a fun show that we just got started on. It's called Buyer's Boot Camp. And um, that's going to probably be the best way of showcasing how to work with individuals that want to capitalize on real estate in different capacities. But for me personally, I think, and you have to remember, I've been doing this for 17 years. It's looking like I will sell more properties than I will purchase this year. I have some properties that I've been holding for quite some time, um, mostly single family. And, you know, the, the value that they have today has exceeded my expectations. And uh, in some areas, the cash flow just hasn't, you know, kept up with the price points. So I'm probably going to be selling in certain markets that I think may be overrated. I think there's still some good opportunities for purchasing. The vacation market, vacation property market has been something I've been investing in now for the last couple of years, and I'll continue this year. Um, 
but uh, you know, southern southern states still tend to catch capture my attention more than the northern states at the moment. I also have a portfolio in Canada, which uh, I've been selling a lot of that portfolio because of values in in the Toronto area. But um, yeah, it's you know, no matter what, I'm always doing something. I will be purchasing properties. Multifamily properties are still sort of my uh, top of my list along with the vacation properties as well. But some flips, there'll be some interesting flips this year. And I don't typically flip a lot of real estate, but uh, got some interesting opportunities with some distressed properties to turn them around. And uh, a lot of that'll be on the show. So it should be interesting. Very exciting. And that's on HGTV? That's on HGTV. All right, Scott, thank you so much for stopping by again. And we're really excited for you this year and hoping all your real estate projects prove fruitful and everyone listening, listen to Scott. He knows what he's talking about. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Thanks, Varnoosh. Thanks so much to Scott for stopping by. To learn more about his advice, go to owners.com and also scottmcgilvery.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at smcgilvery. All this information is back at somoneypodcast.com where you can download the transcript, download the audio, and of course, leave me your questions for the Friday Ask Farnoosh episodes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Good luck with your home purchase or home sale, whichever side of the coin you're on. Good luck, and I hope your day is so money. <laughs>